You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Backward hat day here at Locked On Cardinals, a Monday edition of the podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy hanging out with you, and it's a mock draft Monday. We're going to get into the Arizona Cardinals and the mock drafters out there not being creative at all when it comes to your team. There's one prospect that's being predicted the Arizona Cardinals. We had a couple people kind of, um, I don't know, vary it up a little bit last week, and now we're right back to... A defensive back from the SEC going to the Arizona Cardinals. Alex, uh, happy President's Day, my man. Who is your favorite president? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not prepared to talk about that right <laughs> now. You on the spot. <laughs> if you want to have a mock debate, we can do that. But first, I, I, I do want to let everybody know uh, officially Bo Brock is going to be a papa, going to be a dad. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I feel awful for your wife, but I'm very happy for for her. And he's he did the um, the gender reveal, socially distance, a lot of blue confetti in the sky. So he's going to be a dad, a boy dad. That's going to be exciting. How are you excited? Yeah, I'm pumped about it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh we posted a picture on social media. You could check it out, Bob Rack, on my Instagram. I look like LeBron James pregame routine, throwing the smoke up in the air. The uh, what is it? The with a chalk up in the air. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we got a little baby boy. I already put Tom Brady on on notice. Him and his seven Super Bowl titles. It's uh, my son's coming for you. He's already. Is it too early to sign him up for Little League? <laughs> it depends. I think it's to be perfect timing because right when he gets to that age, we'll finally be able to go outside again. Yeah, true. Fantastic. He's not going to be behind the curve at all. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. We are uh, beyond pumped about it. And uh, the gender reveal, I actually, you know, if you're on the fence about it, you know, I, I know people think it's kind of silly and it's, it's, yeah. it, it's fun, man. And when, when I saw that like blue plume go above my head, and the confetti, it really was a surreal moment. And I think it would have been either way, pink or blue. You know, we were obviously, uh, I know that sounds political, but uh, either way, I would have been shocked. And it's just a fun moment to kind of live out throughout this whole process. Looking forward, late June, a uh, little baby Brock headed our way. Uh, let's get into this episode. And it's going to be one segment of the podcast live here on StreamYard, uh, the Lockdown Podcast with Alex Clancy. Follow him on Twitter, at Clancy's Corner. Follow myself, Bo Brock, at Bob Rack, B-O-B-R-A-C-K. We're going to get into some Cardinal potential cap casualties. What team, what players on the team could be shown the door to add to the Arizona Cardinals? Pretty small cap number that they have to play around with this offseason. And that mock draft Monday, we'll get into the second segment. That's when we're going to go just strictly podcast. We're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, who they could be picking up 16th overall in the NFL draft. And do the Arizona Cardinals, this is kind of interesting because We've been talking about it. Do the Arizona Cardinals need to make a splash this offseason, or does it need to be boring? I know that's that sounds like a simple answer, but let's get into that conversation all on this Monday edition. But let's get into the cap casualties here as we stream live on StreamYard. If you uh, find us on Twitter at LockdownAZCards, you'll find the link, and uh, you can just you can join along. Uh, you can join the comments section as well. You can uh, get become part of the show. I guess we'll do... We'll answer any question you guys have here in the first segment because that's the only time we're going to be doing the live stream. But let's get into this cap casualties conversation because the Arizona Cardinals, according to Spot Track, under $20 million 
about just under $20 million as far as cap space concerned. 15th in the league, so right in the middle, basically. Uh, not too bad considering where the other teams are with the cap going down because of the COVID-19 teams. Some teams are kind of like kids learning about taxes and Monopoly, and they're in a tough spot this offseason. But the Arizona Cardinals, just the fact that they have cap space, any at all, and they're not in the red, this is good for the Cardinals. Alex? Yeah, but there's going to be some interesting conversations that are going to be had. We started this conversation last offseason where it's like, well, it's going to come up real soon when we're going to have to make uh, we're going to watch the Cardinals make uh, decisions based upon Patrick Peterson. And then the year after Chandler Jones, this is where the Chandler Jones conversation starts. And I'll let Bo uh, run the numbers down, but you'd think that they're going to keep him and that obviously 95% will, but there is some, some familiar faces that may hit the chopping block or may be considered for the chopping block due to uh, performance from last year, namely Jordan Hicks, Jordan Hicks coming over from Philly after having some injury concerns there was played pretty well. He's played about, uh, about how people expected. He definitely regressed last year, especially in pass coverage. Uh, the linebacking core was kind of a mess last year after Chandler Jones went down. Um, They're just trying to figure out how they could use Hassan Reddick, how they could use Marcus Golden when they acquired him. Kind of left Jordan Hicks out to dry in the middle of the field with all the blitz packages coming from the edge rushers. Now, it, it, let's start with him. If is Has Jordan Hicks shown enough to you, and he's been ingrained in Vance Joseph's 3-4 base defense, has he shown enough for you to retain him and not think about cutting him if, if there's somebody else that you want to bring in? I mean, when you look at Jordan Hicks, he holds a $9 million cap hit with about $6 million in dead money. So you'll have, what, the net there is $3 million. You save $3 million, but uh, you have to kind of absorb $6 million in dead cash. I, I just don't think that's that's worth it to get rid of a guy like Jordan Hicks. Does he become, this is role change? Does he become more of a part-time player, potentially? And I think Jordan Hicks, like right now, right out of the gates, as the new league be- new league year begins, and you go into March and you approach free agency, I don't think you're going to be looking at his position to upgrade, at least in free agency. I mean, Jordan Hicks is a guy that you probably, you know, when you look at war, him compared, you know, wins above replacement at his position, I think he's probably going to be about at the league average. So, really, you're going to be able to find somebody for $3 million. I think you keep Jordan Hicks uh, at least this season. You kind of change his role, and the in the only time you might consider cutting him to get that three extra million dollars in savings is if a guy like Micah Parsons falls to you in the draft. I mean, it's it's interesting, and they have a they have an out after this year with Jordan Hicks. Um, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, we've talked about this, Micah Parsons. Like that's going to be one of the uh, one of the interesting players to see if he actually goes top ten, where his talent would allocate him, or if he's going to drop due to the you know questions surrounding the the off the field stuff, the locker room stuff that peaked last year. There was never real any sort of uh, it didn't resonate. It kind of went away pretty quickly. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. Another name, uh, Robert Alford. I think hasn't that's played a slam with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, that's kind of more of the broader gap. He has a nine million dollar cap hit, only one point five million uh, dead cap. We talked with Josh Weinfuss from ESPN, Arizona Cardinals writer, last Friday about Robert Alford potentially being a guy that could step in 
and be the the CB two if they bring Patrick Peterson back. They all he also mentioned them potentially cutting him. So is that a guy that you'd want to retain? We really know nothing. He had a pick six in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago for Atlanta, and then we haven't heard from him since. And he's been on the IR the last two years before the season started. I think it's an easy answer. I think that's the that's the layup of the off season is is you cut Robert Alford because even if you get Robert Alford coming off of missing two consecutive seasons with injuries. You know, you look at his age and you look at his production before that. I mean, a guy that was released by the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I, I think that it's an easy, it's an easy, I mean, $9 million, you save seven and a half million bucks. I mean, that's, that's really where, that's a big number, especially when you're dealing with the cap, the cap that the Cardinals are this off season. I mean, that gets you over $25 million in cap space to play around with this off season. I think that's the easiest move that Steve Kime has to make all off season. I mean, as much as, we wanted to kind of see, could he be that guy? I think the reality is, you know, is he much better than what we got from Drake or Patrick last season? I think the answer is no. Why not just go see what's available on the open market? It's an intriguing crop. Uh, and, and you start to rebuild that class. And, and you move off of Robert Alford, who unfortunately never got to see. I think that's the easiest Easiest answer of the offseason. I would love to sign a Robert Alford contract. Give me that guaranteed money and never play it down. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about move it. move on. You know, I mean, it. yeah, you're right. I mean, it's they're going to need to penny pinch in places. Uh, he's 32. I mean, they're going to need to figure out what they want to do with Larry Fitzgerald, what they want to do with Patrick Peterson. And what I hope doesn't happen is they take that, they make room by cutting Robert Alford to give that to Patrick Peterson. You know what I mean? Because we still don't know. There's so many question marks surrounding what they're going to do with, with, with P2. Like we talked he, he it could legitimately go either way, and it's a valid it's a valid reason for either either uh, decision, either result. I just feel like with all of the needs they have, including corner, I would rather have excitement of the unknown and just move on from Robert Alford, as you mentioned. Than like you know what he's missed the last two years. He wasn't playing at a high level when the Cardinals signed him. So, you know, if so fact, they'll get him out of here. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Another guy that's interesting is Devon Kennard, who came over. He's making nearly $8 million, and then half of that would be dead money, so about 3.75. Can you find a, a better player with the savings you would get, you know, close to $4 bucks at the pass rush spot? Or, I mean, could you put – I mean, it, it comes down to can you put together a contract for Hassan Reddick with that money? I think that uh, if that's the if that's the case, why not do it? I think he becomes kind of an easy. We saw 13 games from De- Devon Kennard. It was an up and down season. He dealt with COVID. He dealt with injuries. He was a casualty last off season for the Lions. So other teams view him as expendable. Um, you know, he, he's just a guy that I'm kind of down the middle on. You know, bring him back and see if uh, he can stay healthy. Fine. He, he's an okay player, even in that situation. He's a situational pass rusher. I. I think Devon Kennard could easily be a cap casualty as well. Yeah, and the one that hurts this year is Isaiah Simmons has a $16 million cap hit. I mean, this is dead cap hit. I mean, this is the one. Obviously, they're not going to cut him, right. but a lot of the a lot of the cap space is taken up with that. And it's it's um if they were to have cut him, obviously. So they're I mean, they're they're stuck with the eighth overall pick from last year. They're stuck with decisions that they've made in in, in the past, and they're gonna have to make some difficult decisions. Now, let's just really quick. They're not cutting Chandler Jones, right? I mean, it's just it's a, correct. Yeah, no. Just agree with that and move on. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think they would, but I think it'd be a 
good conversation to have, you know, it, when they, how, how, how do you kind of break this down? Don't you think that the Arizona Cardinals showed that they can survive with life after Chandler Jones last, last season? I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it was a weird, weird situation. You can kind of like, you can make an argument that Chandler Jones is an Adam Dunn, you know, of baseball. I mean, right. he's a home run hitter. He strikes out. Yeah. He's not a guy that, like, take Aaron Donald's sack numbers away. He lives in the backfield of the opposing offense. Yeah. You know, regardless of him being single-teamed or, or double-teamed, Aaron Donald is always there. And Aaron Donald's bigger. I mean, he's just – he's a freak. He's a first-ballot Hall of Famer, no question. I'm sure Chandler Jones will be a Hall of Famer, too, and he's got the sack numbers to prove it. But Chandler Jones is a case study in sack totals don't necessarily equate to wins for your team. Right. Well, especially you know, when he's the only guy doing it. The good – the thing that – Chandler Jones brings to the tables his ability to force the strip sacks. Like he had, I think it was, uh, he tied for the league league in 2019 when he had 19 and a half, he had eight strip sacks. So he, he does have that extra gear and he can, he can consistently do it throughout the game where we saw guys who are part-time players in Hassan Reddick and Dennis Gardeck who were getting opportunities and they were getting to the quarterback, but it was their impact on the game. It, you're right. It, it was like Adam Dunn hitting a solo shot when the team's down six runs. I mean, how, you know, that, that impact is very minimal. Last guy I want to bring up here, and I will say this, just so you know, the, the Isaiah Simmons thing, if, if he's cut, it's $16 million in dead cap, but his right. cap number is only $4 million. It's only $4 million, so right. It's, it's pretty manageable. It's a first-round pick. That's pretty standard. As far as uh, Justin Pugh go, goes, and it's another one of these guys where Pugh is going to make $11 bucks, but uh, if you cut him, it's $4 million in cap money. So that's a net cap savings of $7 bucks. You know, are you going to be able to find, if you're looking at a Joe Tooney, you know, and you can put that money towards a contract for him at the guard position, I think you do it. But if there's, if you don't feel like you're in the running for Tooney, who's a free agent coming from the New England Patriots, then you might have to really consider, you have to have strategy here. Are you going to have to, are you going to have a legit opportunity to, to upgrade that position or do you stay with Justin Pugh? Right. I mean, that could be a quarter of the money you're going to give in guaranteed money to, to uh, Joe Tooney. If you bring him over here, maybe a little bit less. I mean, he's going to warrant, he's going to warrant a four year. He might warrant $40 million guaranteed. You know, we're seeing Jack Conklin guys getting big money uh, in free agency. So you're just gonna have to determine what the Cardinals want to allocate their funds to. And, and yeah, I mean, 11 million, it's a lot, but he listen, aside from injuries, he's been okay. You know, he hasn't been a sieve on the inside. They didn't play well towards the tail end of the 2020 season. I, again, a lot of that had to do with Kyler Murray's injury and his inability to get out of the pocket and scramble. I mean, there's a direct correlative between the two. So it's, it's, it's going to be a determining factor on if they want to move those funds elsewhere. And if they do, if they can bring in impact players anywhere, I'd be okay keeping Justin Pugh. But if they're looking at, if you're looking at a couple B-minus guys, you're spreading that extra $7 million around, then you're not you know, drawing a line in the sand saying, Hey, we're not going to regress this year. We're going to improve. So it, it just, it just determines on what Steve Kine wants to do with the money. I know that sounds like a cliched answer, but again, with so many holes on this roster, keeping Justin Pugh, it's a kind of a devil, you know, situation. He's fine. He's fine. He's not egregious. So I would, even though the, the, uh, the uh, difference between the cap number, and the dead cap number is jarring. It, it's, it's nice at seven mil. I don't think it's a necessity to get rid of him just to search for other talent. 
With Robert Alfred, Justin Pugh, Devon Kennard, and uh, <clears throat> Jordan Hicks, I mean, that's that's close to, I think that's just over $20 million in cap savings on top of the $20 million that the Cardinals are going to have anyway. I mean, getting close to $40 million, then you're really, you've got an opportunity to upgrade this roster, but we'll see if uh, they view any of the free agents worthy in upgrades at those positions. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how this plays out. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alex Clancy at Clancy's Corner, Bo Brock at Bob Brack on Twitter. Uh, we are going to go just, uh, we're just going to go radio style here. We're just going to have the audio version of the podcast. You can hear the rest of this show on the podcast, wherever you find them, wherever you subscribe, you follow along, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, that's where you're going to be able to hear the rest of the show because uh, we're turning off the cameras. And that's what we're going to do the rest of the week and the rest of the way here on Lockdown Cardinals. Coming up next, it's a mock draft Monday. Who do the Cardinals, who are they picking at 16th in the latest from the draft network? It's not very different than the last couple of them. We'll tell you who it is. It's next. It's Lockdown Cardinals. This episode of Lockdown Cardinals is brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all the sports action. Football might be in the rearview mirror, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're all in full swing. You can even on Bet Online bet on awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Spice up watching The Bachelor with your significant other by having some action on it. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, odds, and it's the best place for your bets and free to sign up. And right now, using the promo code Locked On. Head over to the website on your mobile device, sign up today for your free account, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you put in 50 bucks, you get 25 free bucks to play around with. 100 bucks gets you 50. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use the promo code for your free welcome bonus. TheDraftNetwork.com just churns out incredible content on a daily basis. Look forward to each and every one of their mock drafts from all their uh, talented mock drafters. It's Kyle Krabs. It's Joe Marino. This week, it's uh, Brentley Weissman. He put together his latest mock draft. They dropped this morning. It's his 5.0, so his fifth crack at it. And it's just a one-rounder. Kind of gets me disappointed when it's just one round. Some guys are bold enough to do three rounds. Some guys are, it's a fool's errand, but they're putting trades in their mock drafts. It's like, how can you, you could, I mean, guys barely can successfully predict where players are going to go in each slot. Uh, but now we're, we're bringing trades into the equation. I think that's a, it's a little too far-fetched for my taste. I'd rather just see a straight-up mock draft, but call me an old man just shaking his fist at a cloud. Um, Weissman, obviously Trevor Lawrence. We saw the workout on Friday. He looked good. Everybody looks great in shorts, but, uh, I mean, you can Sharpie him in it, number one. The way that Urban Meyer was talking with him, I mean, it was basically his first practice as a Jaguar. Then number two, it already gets it gets a little murky here because the debate between Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, it begins, or if the Jets are going to try to trade out or take the best non-quarterback positional player. Then you've got uh, Panthers, Falcons, uh, Bengals, get all the way down to 16, and somehow, as far as mock drafters are concerned, it's as easy as a pick for the Cardinals as it is for Trevor Lawrence. Everybody predicting South Carolina defensive back J.C. Horn, and Weissman doesn't, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't stray far here, Alex. He's got J.C. Horn 
going to the Cardinals. We talked about it in our round table. I highly recommend you check this out, the, the, the video recording. It's on our at Locked On AZ Cards and at Clancy Corner on Twitter. You can find that video where we talked to uh, Blake and Johnny from the Revenge of the Birds podcast. But we talked about some other options, but mock drafters really aren't looking at any other options as far as J.C. Horn. Yeah, uh, Trevor Sikama, Benjamin Solak. There's a couple guys who do the Locked On NFL Draft here for uh, for the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to get one of those two guys on hopefully this week, if not early next week, to talk about it. That's the contingent. That's the contingent pick. Yeah, uh, JC Horn is a contingent pick, and it, it begs the question again. Yeah, as Bill mentioned, we talked about it on um, on the uh, on the on the roundtable. Was that is it worth using your first round pick on the third best corner? in the draft. And this isn't like a, this isn't like a 2018 NFL draft with quarterbacks where it's like, yeah, there are four dudes and Lamar Jackson, obviously later, obviously looked, looked to be the second best one, but of the four, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, it's kind of like who is going to end up with who, but it's going to be these four with these cornerbacks. It's really, it's Patrick Sertain and Caleb Farley and everybody else. Yep. So do you really want to take the chance that just because JC Horn is looked at by some as the next best, do you really want to take that chance at 16 or do you want to go more proven route and draft one of the better offensive linemen, something like that, a wide receiver. There's myriad ways to go about it. Micah Parsons, if he drops. So, yeah, I mean, when you have a network and draft network does an incredible job, this isn't a knock on them whatsoever. It's just they, the group think is the, that JC Horn's going to be the guy. Yeah, and it's it's the, the the group think as far as that's concerned. I understand the need, but to your point, you know, J.C. Horn. If if you looked at what his his draft grade is early in this draft process, there's a lot to uh, uh, figure out as far as pro days are concerned and, and how they're going to kind of work the scouting combine this in this unique offseason. But J.C. Horn's not in the top 32 prospects. He's not a first round pick as far as Sweet. his draft grade is concerned. So. Why not, you know, if, if the difference between J.C. Horn, the third best projected corner, and w- what's his, what's the difference between him and, and the fourth best? And the it's it's not, the margin's not that large. So why not wait? If you, if you stick and pick and you take a player at 16, why don't you take a player that's a, a first-round caliber talent? Because you've got holes all, I mean, I know that defensive back is the gl- biggest glaring hole, that the Cardinals have, but why not take a guy that's going to make an impact? I, I know that's not Steve Kimes' style, but, I mean, th- they're going to be there because there's the potential of five quarterbacks. There's the potential of, you know, three wide receivers. I mean, that's already eight picks. Half the other picks are going to be different positions. And the Arizona Cardinals can get this, the, the best player in a position or the second-best player. I, I just don't know. I mean, in just watching the tape, you can see the difference between guys like Caleb Farley and Patrick Sutain Jr. Right. and a guy like J.C. Horn. I mean, it's I, – I, I just don't – I, I, I kind of hate the pick. I really do. And I'm not just trying to nitpick and say that the, the prognosticators, the mock drafters out there, I just wish they would put more effort to it. I don't, I don't think – I think you'd be hard-pressed to see that Steve Kimes ever taken the third best – outside of Josh Rosen. Outside of Josh Rosen, I don't think he's ever taken, you know, down the depth chart as far as projected picks in the first round. I don't think he's ever taken that guy. I mean, it's February, and I've gone back and forth three times on what the Cardinals should do at 16 already. I mean, it's so fluid. Like, we so during the roundtable, 
you and I and Blake and Johnny were both split uh, offensive line or corner at 16. But I really, and I can't get this little voice out of the back of my head. I was actually having a conversation with one of our, one of our listeners from, from Ireland, from the motherland, my motherland, um, Aiden, talking about trading back. And I can't give me a reason why trading back isn't the best option. I mean, the reason why I asked that is with not, with not having a fourth or sixth round pick, um, if you could trade back, to a team that's in the late 20s that, you know, wants to move up and you can potentially get a, a third this year or a second this year, depending on how high the team moves up to get to 16, you got to think about it. I mean, if you're moving back from 16 to the late 20s and you could target a guy that you want, I mean, I, there, there are worse options regardless of Steve Kimes' draft history. It's where he's had success. I mean, we, we don't have a lot of success stories as far as Steve Kime, especially in the NFL draft outside of Kyler Murray and some guys that it took a lot of maturing to, to pop in Hassan Reddick and, and DJ Humphreys. But uh, I think that the Arizona Cardinals is where he has had success is, is accumulating more picks by trading back. Uh, he's done it a couple times. Well, but, you know, what, what's that going to get you? Can he hit on those, those picks in the second, the third, the fourth round? that he does potentially pick up. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think that the playmaker, that option is going to be available in this draft, and you really have to start looking at it. Um, the offensive line, I've got the same feeling as I do for cornerback, is if they, and, and, I'm, and I, I will always say that I'm there for a, an offensive lineman to be picked. I just think outside of the top guys, what is it, Slater from Northwestern, and then Penny Sewell from Oregon, outside of that, like the cornerback spot, there's a steep drop-off. And those guys don't even really play the position of need that you're looking for, that interior offensive line. I don't know if there's anybody worthy of the selection at 16, but if you do trade down, then then it, I think it becomes more acceptable. But just to take a guy, I think that's not you know really maximizing at 16 the uh, impact maker you could get there. But if you trade down, you get more assets. I'm here for it. Now, looking at Kyle Krabs' mock draft that he just dropped, it was his 5.2. He has the Cardinals. He went. He was bold enough to go three rounds. And he had the Cardinals in the second round taking an edge rusher out of Oregon State, which is intriguing. Hamilcar Rashid Jr. from the Beavers. Not a really struggling program recently. So I, I don't know much about Hamilcar. I don't know, but uh, as far as their third-round pick, Michael Carter from North Carolina, the running back, that's a pick I absolutely just love. I mean, that would be – he's a, he's a absolute burner. That North Carolina duo of running backs, either one of those guys would be fantastic. Um, so just check out all the work over at thedraftnetwork.com. They're churning out mock drafts uh, each and every day. Let's get into this real quick before we get out of here on Monday. We've got the Arizona Cardinals. We've already kind of discussed them. We discuss every day. Do the Arizona Cardinals really need to make a splash this offseason? Or do they need to focus on, you know, the move? What's the old cliche? The move you don't make was the best move. Uh, a boring offseason. Is that what needs to be on tap for the Arizona Cardinals? It's already been pretty boring. Do they need to step up their game? We'll get into that debate. It's Bo. It's Alex. It's Locked on Cardinals. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and it's not even close. It's officially been goaded. 
And it's improved to the point where it's got 20 amazing flavor, including two limited-time bars. The Coconut Chocolate Brownie, which is just incredible. That goes along with the six latest additions, Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp, and your 12 original flavors. The bar is covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, and as I said, they're great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious candy bar-tasting protein bar. The bar is low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. Great for the keto diet. Right now, go to the website, builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Using the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, you'll get 20% off at builtbar.com. So we're starting to do just our first segment, which is going to be live streamed on StreamYard. You can find it, of course, on our Twitter accounts, at LockdownAZCards. We'll retweet it from at Clancy's Corner and at Bob Rack. Right now, if you just go to any of our Twitter accounts, you will see the roundtable discussion we had with Blake and Johnny from Revenge of the Birds. You can check out the Revenge of the Birds Monday podcast. I joined Blake. We talked more in depth about what the Arizona Cardinals offseason, you know, what, what kind of approach the team needs to have, including general manager Steve Keim. Um, but the roundtable was just fun. It was, what, about 90 minutes worth of uh, just in-depth Cardinals discussion yeah. uh, from really four different opinions uh, coming from very different, you know, standpoints as far as team building is concerned. Uh, just a fun discussion that we had. We've got more of those coming your way this offseason, but uh, we're doing our first segment each and every day, live stream right here on Locked On Cardinals. Alex and Johnny, Johnny Venerable, will be doing, uh, you guys are hosting tomorrow, right? Right on the Locked On Cardinals? That is correct. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun to kind of hear, um, you know, how Johnny deals with Alex's hot takes. <laughs> it's somebody that finally has thick skin. This you is know? not, <laughs> yeah, right, man. Yeah, I got alligator scales, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's, gonna be fine. it's gonna be awesome for me. Yeah, so it's gonna be Alex. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a tough time for me to be on the sidelines, but I'll definitely tune into tomorrow's episode. Are you guys doing this? You're streaming the first uh, first segment too. Yet to be determined. Okay, so we might uh, have a little blip in this week, but we'll for sure, be back to streaming the first segment on Wednesday morning, right around ten fifteen, ten thirty ish here in Arizona. But um, let's get into this conversation real quick, and I think it's kind of an easy answer. Do the Arizona Cardinals need to make a big splash a la DeAndre Hopkins deal last year, or should they have a more boring offseason? Do they need to kind of continue to move forward, kind of how they approached the offensive line last year where it was more continuity? That seemed to work out. You saw the sack numbers drop, kind of fell off a cliff from 50 in 2019 to 29, or I think 30 in uh, 2020. So, 20 less sacks just by kind of having the same unit. Obviously, they stayed healthy, but boring or big splash, I think everybody, the exciting thing is always to make a splash. But this team was 8-8. Eight and eight. It had its opportunities as far as making the postseason. Is running it back maybe the, uh, the best route for this team, especially taking into consideration that they didn't really have the opportunity to get together until weeks before the regular season began. I mean, you could blame it on so many things, you know? I mean, the Cardinals looked like one of the top 10 teams in football through eight weeks last year. And then they kind of came back to earth. I don't know. I don't know what it was. 
I mean, yes, there are direct correlations between Kyler Murray's inability to run the ball in the second half of the season to them losing more games, them not being able to beat backup quarterbacks in week 16 and week 17, regardless of the health of Kyler Murray is inexcusable. Um, splashes aren't really what the Cardinals do. You know, they, yeah, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, drafted Kyler Murray unopposed and number one overall. That's kind of overblown a little bit. The trade for DeAndre Hopkins was between owners, Arizona Cardinals, and McNair with the, with the Texans. Wanted to find a good spot. Uh, Steve Kahn had nothing to do with that. There are there are reports out that, that that's the truth. Um, there are enough names this offseason to where the Cardinals can make some impact signings, but they don't have to be splashy. You know, like if you were to sign a Curtis Samuel or you were to sign a Marvin Jones, I had a conversation about Curtis Samuel uh, earlier this morning where if the Cardinals were to sign Curtis Samuel, I don't trust that Steve Kime would use him correctly. You Cliff know, Kingsbury? I mean, sorry? You mean Cliff? That Cl- who did I say? Kime. Oh, yeah, yeah, that Cliff Kingsbury wouldn't, wouldn't utilize him correctly. Uh, he's just, he's that gadget dude, but he's not a gadget dude. Like he, he can run the routes. They, they used him a lot in the backfield when Christian McCaffrey was out, he had several carries, he had a pretty good yard, yard per carry average. Um, I don't think going out and getting Kenny Galladay is really going to help. Like, I, I don't think that that's where you do. I don't think you go top heavy with that. Utilize that through the draft. There aren't that many corners aside from trading for Marshawn Lattimore. You're going to have to pay a lot sooner than if you were to draft JC Horn, regardless if we think that's the right choice or not. Like, I think boring is better. I'd rather have a B draft without any real, uh, 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 you know, you know, uh, I don't know, just aftershocks, earthquakes, where it'll make national news. Sign some dudes, sign some Jordan Hicks type guys, uh, working guys, and I, I leave the leave the big name guys out of it. Some lunch pail guys, some blue collar guys. It, uh, yeah. the, the Samuel thing. That's some guts to this team. Yeah. The uh, the Samuel thing is I love his his ability the the, the yak ability because I don't think but the do Ari- you trust do you trust that Cliff Kingsbury would use him right I mean that that's the that's the big question that's the huge question um, I I just think you have a guy like Christian Kirk who could take the top off the defense but it's like it's the chicken egg situation is Kyler Murray not being able to find Christian Kirk did he struggle finding Kirk at the end of the season because the offensive line was playing poorly and he didn't have time or Kyler struggles through going through his progressions. And, you know, either way, a guy that can take the top off the defense, I don't care if you've got Tyreek Hill back there, you know, or or running those routes, he's going to have a tough time getting the football. A lot of the play designs from Cliff Kingsbury are, you know, behind or at the line line of scrimmage. A guy like Curtis Samuel, who when he gets the ball in his hands, he's shown his ability to make a play. And I think the yeah. Arizona Cardinals, when you when you look at their the, their roster right now, who's a guy that can do that? And they lack that. I I'd be intrigued to see how Samuel would look in this offense. I don't think that's necessarily true, though. I mean, I, I understand your point in some capacity, but if you get if you get the ball in Christian Kirk's hand in space, he can go. Yeah. If you get if you get Chase Edmonds the ball in space, he can go. They just don't. And you're right, they don't have a lot. I mean, they don't have a lot of talent like Curtis Samuel, if any. But I just feel like you bring Curtis Samuel, you put him on this team. Cliff Kingsbury is going to screw it up. <laughs> if you put him on uh, San Francisco, he could be a Pro Bowler. And and and, I, and I don't, I'm not I, I'm not being I'm not joking. Like he could be a Pro Bowler. Right. You, if you know how to utilize your offense with the talent that you have, I just Cliff Kingsbury 
like Steve Kahn in the draft, hasn't showed me enough that I could trust him with talent along, uh, uh, unless it's a guy running outside. He's just bigger and stronger than his defender, and Kyler Murray just throws him the ball. Like, I don't trust the offensive scheme yet, whether it be running the ball or passing the ball. I just don't trust it yet. It, 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 they, they definitely need to find somebody, though. Like, I, I'd be really fascinated in what their approach is. All right, who's going to be our guy opposite Milk Hopkins? Like, what, what is... What does that guy look like? Is it somebody that we can gadget around the, the offense like Samuel where he can be in the backfield, you can line him up there, you can line him up in the slot, just get him the, the ball in his hands, he's going to make a play? Or is it, oh, we need to go towards more like the Galladay's, the Juju Smith-Schuster's, uh, you know, where they're going to be guys that uh, you're going to throw more downfield towards or two? I, 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 it's, a, it's a really fascinating question. I just thought... When I'm watching those games, uh, when the Cardinals were struggling, you know, it was because there was there was some passes that were hitting the turf or they were being thrown out of bounds. And and I'm not saying Kyler Murray is an inaccurate passer. It's just like they didn't have a guy outside of DeAndre Hopkins that was moving the chains. It was like they would get a couple of yards on first down and then struggle second and third down, and we would see Kyler Murray throw a deep ball, you know, that was unsuccessful to Keyshawn Johnson or Andy Isabella. Yeah. You know, they just needed a guy at, at times to just help move the chains. Maybe it's just getting the ball to Nick Hopkins more often, which is crazy to think about, but why not? Yeah. I mean, they need an adult in the wide receiver room, not named DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Like, I, I constantly back, and they, they need Larry Fitzgerald from 2017 or 2016. That That's what they need badly. Like, I talked, and it's funny that the Cardinals had signed him, and we were super excited about the time with Michael Crabtree, and he never really played. They need a guy who can be a possession receiver. You know, on third down, you need a guy that you can trust that's not named DeAndre Hopkins because everybody's looking at Nuke and looking to double him when you have a guy like Cooper Cup is the third down guy with the Rams, and he's always open. Cole Beasley is the third down guy with the Bills, and he's always open. You can frustrate defenses by having a guy that you platoon out for third down plays that are consistent conversions, and the Cardinals just don't have that. They just don't, regardless, they just don't have it. And if it could be a young guy, it could be a veteran. They just need to bolster, they need to bolster the wide receiver room. I don't think Curtis Samuel's the guy because of Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's uber talented. He's a freak, especially for his size. But I just don't, I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury to put him in the offense. What type of wide receiver do you think that Kingsbury, you know, is? Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. You know, because I mean, he, he can... He's got good hands. He's great in the red zone. He can run every route. He can be that position possession receiver guy, and he's not a splash. Yeah. And he's going to be less expensive than the other guys. You know, but, I mean, if I had my wish of who the Cardinals would bring in a wide receiver, it'd be Allen Robinson. And I wasn't an Allen Robinson guy. I wasn't. Like, I was because I had him in fantasy several years ago when, when, uh, uh, when they went nuts, when they were always down three scores in Jacksonville and Blake Bortles went nuts. He's only 27. He'll be yeah. 28 before the season starts. His target share is absolutely insane in Chicago. And the fact that they had Mitchell Trubisky, they had a defense and a run game, and he was still getting the targets that he did and the receptions that he did. He's got great hands, and but, I mean, he's going to be too expensive. I think he'd be perfect. You put a one-two punch of DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson on the same field, I'd happily pay for that. Yeah. I would happily pay for that. Yeah, it is going to be kind of intriguing to see which wide receivers would be open to playing and kind of be second fiddle DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it, well, we, well, we talked about it that 
wide receiver two in AZ is still going to get wide receiver one targets. Yeah, just look at Buffalo. Else. Just look at Buffalo. Look at Cole Beasley's target yeah. share to Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs right. got a huge target share, but so right. did Cole Beasley. He had over 100 right. targets last season. So it could be a T.O. Chad Ocho single thing in, in Cincinnati. Just where it's just it does, pick your poison. It could be a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin thing when Jameis was throwing the ball 50 times a game where they're both getting eight or 10 targets a game. Yeah. And Chris Godwin's going to be a free agent as well. We'll see, you know, uh, the, the Buccaneers as much as they say, they want to run it back. They've got some big free agent decisions to make this off season. I think they've got like 32 pending free agents, which is an insane number. They can't keep everybody, you know, heavy is the crown. Everybody's coming in for your players at this point. Uh, we'll see if, if Godwin is one of those guys that they can't afford to pay. It's going to be fun to, to kind of talk about. It's going to be Johnny and Alex tomorrow on Locked on Cardinals. It's going to be our crossover, Revenge of the Birds, Locked on Cardinals crossover. They're going to get into uh, some great Cardinals debate and discussion. Make sure you're tuning in. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll get back into streaming the first segment of the podcast, which we're going to do each and every day. Just follow us on Twitter at LockdownAZCards, at Clancy's Corner, and at Bob Rack, me, Bo Brock. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you guys soon.